0: Thanks for listening to the Gray Ave Podcast, a show for driven young people with big goals. We meet inspiring people from around the world and learn from them, from entrepreneurship, health, travel, lifestyle, and more. We are also on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. Rate and write us a review. You can also download each episode on www.grayjabesi.com. Enjoy the show hey what's up guys and girls this is gray and this is another episode of the gray f podcast you're welcome um this episode is just a continuation of the previous one um with steve distante he's back with another dose of entrepreneurship this time Uh, on the previous episode we talked about cars but in the previous episode I mentioned that he's a serial entrepreneur from the age of five but for those of you who are listening to this for the first time just a quick recap Uh, Steve is an entrepreneur and car aficionado from Long Island New York and he started his first business when he was only five years old which you can listen to on the previous episode Um, and he's a CEO of his own company in the investment side of things, where they do manage a few billion dollars, all the details in the podcast. And he's a member of the Long Island Exotics Club, which is a group of um, exotic car owners. And uh, he's an incoming president of entrepreneurs organization, which is widely known as EO. So this specific episode is much about entrepreneurship and business so you guys will definitely enjoy it this specific one was my favorite uh so i hope you guys get a lot from it i'm not gonna talk as much it's self-explanatory and if you haven't checked out the previous one you might as well just have to after this one or maybe even before this one anyways guys and girls stay awesome and remember to subscribe for more and stay part of the community and we can learn together thank you Somebody asks you what do you do, how do you answer the question?
1: How do I, well, I've been an entrepreneur since I was five years old. Um, so I've been an entrepreneur, I'm amongst the unemployable. I, you know, pretty much can't hold a job, so I had to create one. Um, but I, I teach people how to do good things with their businesses and their money. I'm very focused on a thing called impact investing, which is doing things that are environmentally and socially beneficial. Um, So we focus on those sort of investment opportunities for clients in order to understand how they can do good things with their money and it's not philanthropy, they get a good return based upon the products that we sell to them. So you know we focus on that sort of thing and that's part of the congruency inside my life, Um, being able to offer, you know, have a business that does this sort of thing as well as have a car that's environmentally friendly and, and so on. So that's part of the congruency. So, yeah, I'm, I, I own a firm. We manage a few billion dollars, um, and, you know, we have uh, financial advisors. I have about 130, and um, they're just uh, great people, and they were, we're teaching people this very interesting way of investing their money. Um, so it's kind of interesting, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fulfilling, too, because it allows me to, you know, live with passion, in everything that I do, including my business.
0: How did you become an entrepreneur from five years old? What were you doing then?
1: (laughs) Well, um, I was at five, I used to live near horse trails, you know, where the horses would go riding in the woods. And I used to go up into the woods with a wheelbarrow and a fork, a pitchfork, and pick up the horse manure. And then I'd sell it to my neighbors for fertilizer for their gardens. And as the story goes, you know, I, I um, you know, I've been pretty much shoveling shit ever since. Um, you know, I, I pretty much figured that out. You know, that you know, in order to make anything happen, you got to sell something. And I was selling horse manure, which was cool. And then I got into a couple other things. Entrepreneurship has always helped me. I had paper routes, and you know, I started hiring people to work my paper routes i'd collect the money and they would pretty much do the distribution and then um and then i got it to uh actually had a limousine for a time and that's where i met my wife i drove her to her prom and uh <laughs> it was an interesting story i drove her to her prom she went with somebody i knew And I guess about a week later, I had asked her out because I figured by then the check had cleared and it'd be cool to approach her, (laughs) you know, instant attraction. And we've been married for 28 years and she's just an amazing woman. I really love her. So uh, entrepreneurship has always served me extraordinarily well. Um, And, you know, it's kind of gotten me to this point now in my life where I'm giving back in the business that we do. We created a foundation um, we call it the Heroes Against, Hero- uh, Against Heroin. It's a foundation that was put together for uh, a person who passed away, John Brower Jr. And he um, had a heroin overdose, which is a major problem in the U.S. Um, so we're 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 doing the best we can. We we raise capital, we raise funds, uh, we raise awareness. We do a walk. We've done our second annual walk. Um, so we do things that are socially and environmentally beneficial, not only, you know, from an investment perspective, but as a business as well to raise awareness and, and p- impact as many lives as possible.
0: Right. So uh, carrying your wheelbarrow and doing uh, a small business in your, in your neighborhood is one thing. And getting a business, I mean, getting into a level of business to deal with like $500,000 uh, business deal is also another. How do you hmm. how do you make the jump between those two levers?
1: Yeah, it's it, 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 it's it's being able to learn from the experiences as you grow. Um, you know, not being afraid to keep going. And I honestly great, I think I, I think we're wired a little differently entrepreneurs because a lot of people are calling themselves entrepreneurs day nowadays and they're really solopreneurs or self-employed. Big difference. Um, and I I like to say that we're wired differently. Like we we're missing a gene in so far as when we, um, have a challenge before us, it, we emit a different chemical in our body. Most people would run. We like want to go into the fire and like battle things for the fun of it because we get a little excited by the challenge. So, you know, I've heard it, you know, I think it was Steve Jobs who said, you know, learn how to. Um, you know, bet big, but without betting the farm, like, you know, try to do some big things without risking the whole rest of the business. And that's the big challenge. And, and organizations like EO, I'm the incoming president of the largest chapter in EO, the entrepreneurs organization, which is New York, New York City. And, and being around fellow entrepreneurs is inspiring. Um, because we all have the same experiences, meaning like we go through the same thing over and over again, sure. but we just don't know it. So being able to share amongst a group of like-minded entrepreneurs, people who are truly in business for themselves, is extremely helpful. You know, so the experience share um, is a big part of EO, especially we, we create these little boards called forums and you know we don't shoot on each other we don't tell anybody what what they should do we say well when i had an experience like this this is what happened and so entrepreneurship really is not about making money entrepreneurship in my mind is about how to get through challenges and problems Um, because the more success you have the more problems you're going to have and most people want to run for the hills and we as entrepreneurs step up to the challenge and figure out how to get through the challenge in order to get to that next level, because every single level is protected by something. And most people just don't want to have to go through that quote-unquote headache. But for us, you know, for us, the entrepreneurial people, it's kind of like exciting for us. So to get keep getting up to that next level, it's about being aware of the fact that challenges pretty much are, are protecting the the opportunity on the other side and if you don't get through it you're not gonna you're not gonna win you're not gonna be able to get to those next big deals
0: sure and then uh if you're making decisions how do you rate the decisions as uh good good enough or bad or like how do you kind of decide to come up with good decisions
1: Okay, so um, I'm a huge believer in the MAP system, management action programs. They've been around 55 years. Their first client was um, Coca-Cola. And MAP stands for management action programs. And what it is is a process. It's an operating system for your business. It's a process. And the concept, there's a a part of it um, called team consult. So most businesses, most entrepreneurs, the owner or the entrepreneur has a big red S like Superman on their chest. When you open up their shirt, what do you see a big red S and that's not so healthy in a business. And what it, what, what this has taught me, I I learned about it at MIT. I was doing a program up at MIT an entrepreneurial master's program. And what I learned about it was that nobody's as smart as everybody. Meaning we don't have to do this all by ourselves as entrepreneurs. And to engage your team. So I have a team. It's a diverse team. It's three men and three ladies, um, me being one of the men. Um, And we do this team consult. And so we present a problem, a challenge, an opportunity. And as we do that discussion, I get back the feedback from the group. And then I read back to them and I say, okay, did I get it right? Did I get it right? And then I select a path to go. That's the most important part is to not to vacillate or get analysis paralysis when you're when you're making decisions in a business. It's all about making decisions. Leaders make decisions. Followers wait for the instructions. So as an entrepreneur, you need to make decisions right or wrong, but make a decision. But don't do it on your own. If you you know, if you value your team Um, and I value my team very much.
0: Right. So, for somebody who is at a level where they can probably not afford to have a team to help them, uh, what are the what would they follow up on? Like the the ways they would take to get a team, or what would they what should they work on to get to the point where they should be able to hire someone or more people?
1: It's a good question. Um, so, so for people who are just starting out. Um, who or for people who don't have the resources or the team themselves, um, there's, there's a strategy of creating what we call an advisory board. Um, and the advisory board is where you take people who, who you respect their opinion and you bounce ideas off of them. And you do it in a form like a board meeting, but they're non-binding. You don't need to listen to their ideas you just use them and their life experience in order to guide you through some of the murky waters, and that's probably the, one of the most effective things that people can do um, when they don't have the resources. But then, create the big picture, and create what the big picture is going to look like, and you know what your unique ability is inside your business. And once you start to figure those things out, you're going to realize that it's very ineffective for you to be operating a business and doing secretary work, as well as your professional work, as well as cleaning the bathrooms, because those lower positions are taking you away from the opportunity to make a lot more money doing what you know how to do best. So it's kind of like, at that point you're growing a team because you know what, you say to yourself, you know what, I don't like cleaning the bathroom and I don't like doing secretary work and I'm really bad at it, so I'm gonna hire somebody Part time, and then more success is going to happen, and then you're going to be able to have them full time, and then so on and so on. So, you know, start with the advisory board first, and then you know, look at some of the key components of your business. What is your unique ability? What should you be doing? If you're an attorney, you're practicing law, if you're an entrepreneur, you might have a product to sell, so you have to spend more time selling. Um, you know, those sort of thing that's the kind of way to be able to start really being an entrepreneur. And as Michael Gerber says, do you know who Michael Gerber is, the author of The E Myth? Yes. Okay, so Michael's a friend of mine. Um, so Michael Gerber says, work on your business, not in your business, right? And that's the whole difference between an entrepreneur and an employee, right? Or a self employed is we look at it from the outside looking in versus being the technician who's working in the business all the time. If you can't walk away from it, you have a job. You don't have a business. So don't, you know, don't fool yourself. There's nothing wrong with having a job, but understand that you're not you do not have a business. You have a job which requires you every step of the way.
0: Sure, that's a very good answer. Oh, I, I never thought of that before. Um, yeah. But then, how do you approach those people to be on the advisory board? Do you kind of approach them as mentors? And how do you approach them to be
1: on the board? Yeah, usually they're uh, mentors, a good word. Mentors a good word. A lot of times, are people who are already in your life. Your life, you know, they might be people that you know from maybe your accountant, maybe your lawyer, maybe. You know, the, the, a friend of yours or the parents of a friend of yours, somebody who's successful in business, very, you know, it's very flattering for somebody to say, you know, I see how successful you are in your business. I wonder if you would consider just coming and talking to me about business for a day and then you kind of like start roping them in and then you say, hey, by the way, would you mind sitting on this advisory board with me? It would require very little, you know. So that's the way we do it. You know, that's the way you kind of rope them in.
0: Great. Um. Steve, would you be uh, on? Would you be on the advisory board with me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course, Gray. You're awesome. I'd love to. As a matter of fact, I heard South. I heard Cape Town is an awesome place to visit. I've never been there. And would you at least allow me to? Could you help me figure out where to stay and what to do when I when I come to South Africa?
0: Oh yeah, you can stay at my house.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, that would be that would be overly generous, but. You know, I would love to uh, at least come visit you, and, and, and let's see. We'll come stay at your house. We'll see.
0: That would be great. Cape Town is an amazing city, I promise.
1: So I've heard. So I've heard.
0: Yeah. So just um, what is the most part of handling a business or having your own business, in your opinion?
1: What is the hardest part?
0: Yeah, in, in, your, expe- in your experience.
1: So I believe, okay, so I'm going to give you the most important part first. Right. The most important part of a business, I'm, I'm just doing goals with a bunch of people. I have a couple dozen people that I'm teaching about goals, and I've discovered that the most important part of our goals is to have something bigger than ourselves as part of our goals. Lifetime goals, which include something bigger than ourselves, and that could be charitable. It could be teaching people impact investing. I actually have a website that teaches people um, it's called ImpactYou.Me. That teaches people how to impact invest. Um, so, so having something bigger than yourself um, is the most important part as far as goals are concerned. And I, I share with people that they should write their eulogy and write their write their eulogy in such a way that they realize what's super important in their lives, and not to get distracted by all those little things. That get involved, that you know, like the little rocks on our shoes that bother us so much when they're really not so meaningful. You just need to take your shoe off and take it out, Um, and and not losing our spirit, not losing our spirit, and allowing things to completely distract us from the purpose, from the most important part of what we're doing here. You know, why are we in business in the first place and what is it we're trying to do and creating it something meaningful. So being able to stay in spirit, I'm going to call it, which is also another word for inspired, not allowing it to throw you off so badly that you're not able to do the work that you normally enjoy doing and finding a way of being able to process through those things. I found most important to me, one of my biggest tools that I use every day, twice a day is meditation. I use meditation in order to get myself, my brain level, you know, so I'm not like overreacting to things. I really, that helps me a tremendous amount. So not allowing those problems to set me off course because most of us do get set off course when something pops up and keep what's important, important and focused on that.
0: Uh, so how how often do you meditate Like in uh, what time is it when you would just wake up or in the evening?
1: It's always when I wake up. It's the first thing I do um, So I'll meditate typically for 20 minutes in the morning um, So I'll usually get up uh, 536 in the morning Meditate for 20 minutes have my coffee hit the gym a few days a week uh, four or five days a week um, and In the evening, before I leave the office, usually, sometimes the cleaning people walk in on me and they kind of freak out because they see me sitting there. Um, But before I leave the office, I'll spend my 20 minutes. It's usually before my meal. Um, It's supposed to be the type of meditation I practice is before a meal, before exercise, um, you meditate. And so I'll, I'll usually do it in the evening before my meal. And you know, I kind I kind of mess around with it sometimes, like I don't do it on purpose just to test if it's really working and if this is a big waste of my time. Mm-hmm. And almost and almost always it proves to me ah, it wasn't a waste of time because I'm getting a little squirrely in the afternoon or in the morning or in the evening. I'm like, my wife turns to me, and she goes, "You didn't meditate, did you?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> No, no. I keep screwing with it, but it does. It keeps it keeps proving me that you know I'm wrong. It does. It does work because I'm figuring like if yeah. it doesn't work, why am I wasting my time? But it keeps proving me wrong, so it, it works. Great, it works. It's 40 minutes a day, and it's like really meaningful to me.
0: I've tried meditation. I mean, my meditation is not that consistent, but I can relate to what you're saying that if you do it, actually works. You you can see the difference after a while, yeah. definitely. Yeah, for sure. So for folks who want to leave work, uh, some entrepreneurs who are still working for companies, they want to step out, but they finding it hard to make the jump. How, mm. would you, how would you advise would be the best way to do it?
1: Um, start small. You know, start small. Uh, look at opportunities. Like you can start it, um, start doing it. Gain some momentum um, so that you have some revenue to replace because there's nothing worse than financial stress because it makes you feel powerless. It's kind of like kryptonite is to Superman, financial stress is to an entrepreneur. Um, so start small, test out the product or test out your concept, get people, get some momentum. Um, you know, uh, partnerships work. I've had partnerships over the years, partnerships work. If everybody respects their respective area, um, you know, as far as their superpowers are concerned like, and, and, and be clearly defined. If you have two people doing the same thing and they're both kind of like chomping at the bit to do the exact same work and they're stepping on top of each other, it's going to be painful. Um, so, you know, look to, look to have very clear um, intentions with what it is you want to do. Check in with an entrepreneur, like would they help mentor you, be on an advisory committee and so on and so forth in order to be able to, um, you know, give you some guidance. I, I you know, so I, I just turned 51 and um, I've never felt so alive in my life and I learned the value of joint ventures. And so what I'm doing is doing a lot of JV deals, sort of like Shark Tank, where I, you know, bring a, a bring a, a company in that's maybe one, two, three employees, and then I'll give them access to my resources, um, as well, you know, money as well as staff and so on, you know, social media, um, PR, um, web design, graphic artists, that kind of stuff, um, accounting and all the basics. So I'll give them access to that. To create the business as a joint venture with me, but then I'll give them access to me also. Um, So if there's somebody out there that has some business acumen, like bring them in. I don't have to own something to be able to help people. I just, I find it lots of fun to help people. So if you have an entrepreneur in your life that you want to bounce ideas off of and get some different ideas, do that. That's, that's really well worth it. Um, You know, business plans have their place to get some clarity around where you're going. But, the planning should be fluid. You should be able to be able to cha- change on a dime. There's certain personalities that work for entrepreneurship and others that just don't work for entrepreneurship. So don't be so so um, stuck on one particular way to do things. Understand that getting from point A to point B is a journey and just like a sailboat tacks from one side to the other as it catches the wind, that's going be your, that's gonna be your experience as an entrepreneur as well.
0: Incredible. So how many hours were you working um, like 20 years ago and how, how many, many hours, hours do you work hours? now? Mm.
1: So I don't really like to go to the office early, honestly. You know, like if my assistant makes an, an appointment before 10 a.m., I'm kind of upset about it. Um, matter of fact, I uh, psychologically, I just won't show up on time and I'll go, see, I told you it didn't work. Um, <laughs> So it's like 10 to, I don't know, what is it now, almost 6 o'clock, 10 to 5, 10 to 6. But, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, so I can leave anytime I want. Um, my business doesn't rely on me. I'm here. I'm of counsel for my business and my and, and my team. Um, I'm the one who, like, comes up with the crazy ideas. Like, we plan – so to answer your question, how many hours am I working a week? Like, mm-hmm. physically in the office, I don't know, maybe 40 but, you know, somebody asked me, I was on jury duty um, in the U.S. They make us do this stupid jury duty, and they said, how many hours, when do you work? And I wrote, all the time. And they were like, what do you mean all the time? I'm like, I'm always, like, in my mind, my brain's always going. The creativity's always flowing, and I'm always, like, writing something down. It's rare. I have to, like, watch a movie or do something to, to not keep my brain from moving, so, you know, I'm, I'm always creating. I'm always, like, having ideas and things are popping. And that's why meditation is really good for me, too. It kind of calms my brain. Um, I don't believe in working a lot. I don't believe in killing yourself working. Because if you're killing yourself working, you don't have a business. You know, you have a job. And I just see everybody killing themselves. You know, um, I know people are working a gazillion hours, you know, 150 hours a week, if that's even physically powerful. <laughs> And it's not, it's not healthy because it's a bad work balance. It's bad work life balance, right? So how could I be married for 28 years with two awesome kids if I spent all my time in the office? That's not what what's important to me. What's important to me is cool cars. Um, what's important to me is having an impact on society. What's important to me is being a really awesome dad. Like those are really important things. And you know we work to live. We don't live to work. So most entrepreneurs start off with. The idea of getting a better life and then the very thing that they started that business becomes the bane of their existence and they actually start resenting their business because their business takes over their life and it's just stupidity people just don't have that perspective on things
0: (laughs) oh yeah you just know it right there because um the word on the streets is that you must kill yourself actually to, to get things to work but at the same time though you know you get this I don't know if you ever get the feeling where sometimes when you're not doing anything to do with work, you feel like you're wasting time or you just feel good about it because you still have some things to, to get done in your schedule.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer in planning awesome vacations. We went to Iceland this year and when I go away on vacation, I, I, I don't turn on the international cellular service and such. And my wife turns it on, and then they can call. I work with my wife. Um, she's part of my board. She's my actually my um, my chief of staff. And, and if there's an emergency, they will call Heidi. Um, they won't call me because my phone doesn't work. And so my phone just kind of goes on the fritz, and it is what it is. And those vacations are so important. They're super rejuvenating to your brain. And it, you come up with the best ideas ever if you don't think about business for, for, for a one-week, two-week stint. And when you come back, you're rejuvenated. You're ready to go. It's, it's just it's an important part. And entrepreneurs who don't get that are really missing a big part of life.
0: Right. You know, I, I, can, I should point out that it's rare to see entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs who can still manage to balance work and life. And also, like, mm. getting, uh, for example, your wife to be in your business also. I mean, that's really, – mm. if, if you look at the big names in the in the game, you see that they like part of that. I don't know how you managed to achieve that.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's truly – my wife and I are so different from the perspective of our gifts and talents that um, the work, working with the company early – you know, my wife working with the company allowed her the flexibility to be able to be a really great mom – um, to our kids and, um, you know, being respectful of one another. I mean, have we buttheads rarely, really rarely. Um, and we achieved it through respect for our gifts and talents. So Heidi's really good at the details She's really good at putting plants together, and I am really good at the big picture, like creating that mega massive picture, so much that it drives her crazy that I actually have to draw pictures to show her what I'm thinking. Sometimes it's so big I can't even describe it with my mouth. I have to kind of like have other people interpret for me. Yeah, he's talking about this, and I go, yeah, he got it, and he's talking about this. I can't talk sometimes because I'm just, I don't know, there must be something wrong with me. My, my ideas get so big, so it's kind of cool um being able to have my wife working with me it's a it's a real gift
0: how how does one find a partner like that did you plan it uh,
1: <laughs> a partner like that in business or in life
0: uh, in both in life who could be part of the business and part of your life at the same time i could say that's hard really Based on my personal life at least
1: yeah um so when i had the limo and i met heidi right? It was really cool in that, you know, so it was this older limo. I'm 18 years old, driving this thing around. I don't even know if I had insurance on it. Who knows? And the power steering pump went, right? And Heidi is a Girl Scout to like the Eagle Scout level. It's called the Gold Award. And we went to the library. They didn't have the internet at that time. Went to the library, pulled out a Chilton's Guide, one of those books. And she read up, on how to fix a power steering pump on this. She's not a grease monkey. She's just, you know, she's not a mechanic. She's just, you know, smart to be able to do that kind of stuff. And I said, How the hell did you learn how to do this stuff? She goes, Well, in Girl Scouts, they taught us how to change a tire on a car. They taught us how to do this. They taught us how to do that. I'm like, Sheesh, I gotta marry this woman. This is amazing. And, like, so throughout my life, she was supportive in areas that I kind of didn't have the mindset to be able to do it. I was. I just wasn't able to do it. And she could. She could focus on long periods of time and on things that normally, you know, the, the normal entrepreneur brain doesn't have the capacity to handle. So she has complimented me extraordinarily well from that perspective. And it's just a deep understanding of each other's that, that we're not perfect, and but we're working on it. Um, you know, I suffered from perfection, but I'm a recovering perfectionist. And she gets that. So a lot of us perfectionists put that on other people and just an understanding and a respect for one another and obviously a true deep love that's grown just tremendously over the years um, you know for each other I mean I, I have this, this this saying which is the best is yet to come and I believe that you know it just I keep it just keeps getting better and better both in my relationship and in my business and in my life and it's just this this, this constant state of gratitude which which propels me to the next day
0: right yeah that's a, a good point to actually capture and uh before we close you you mentioned that sometimes you come up with big uh, crazy ideas that it's hard even to explain to people um mm. a of one of the things that it, that puts people down or put other entrepreneurs down is when you have a crazy idea you tend to think of to fear what other people are going to think about you and then you end up not doing it or putting it mm. out at all how do you deal mm. with that
1: Uh, first I don't listen to other people. You know, I kind of do things that the crazier, the better for me. Um, like my Tesla, you see the side of my Tesla, they have big letters that say Tesla on it. Yeah, I, I I actually signed my car. It says Steve D on it. Um, because the guy, the, the guy who did the wrap on it said to me, he says, nobody's ever said yes to this. He says, but I'd love to put your, your, your signature on both sides of the car. So I did that. I've been called a narcissist. Um, I've been called, I, don't know, I all kinds of crazy things. Oh, and this is the best part about the rap, actually the rap guy did this, is it, it, it illuminates, it's reflective at night. So my car, when you drive by it, it looks like bright Tesla lights coming at you. <laughs> you see the side of my car is just illuminated in Tesla. It's very cool. And, and people are always gonna try to knock you down. You need to create a team that believes in you. Being vulnerable and being open and honest is important. And you need to get your team to buy into the crazy idea you might have. And you need to understand your limitations, meaning maybe monetary.
0: Hello, sorry, I lost you. I cannot hear you.
1: Because a lot of us as entrepreneurs, come and then we just try to force it on our people. And either they you know, roll their eyes and say, oh, not another one of these. Or they try to do it, they fail. They try to do it, they fail. And after all these failures, they're kind of like, why did we do that in the first place? And they learn their lesson. So it's being practical and incorporating your team into your big, crazy ideas. And there's nothing wrong with a hag. Have you ever heard of a hag? No. Okay. It's uh, Brian Tracy, I believe it is. It's, um, it's a big, hairy, audacious goal. Right? So a BHAG. Um, there's nothing wrong with BHAGs. Um, however, your BHAG you have to convey to your team and the people you're working with. Otherwise, they're going to be just chasing unicorns and, and, and rainbows and, and trying to figure out what's coming next from you. And you got to get their buy-in and then logistically – How is it going to work? What's the first step? What's the second step? And that's where Heidi comes in and the rest of my team. We talk about it. We do a project plan. Again, we use this map process. We use a project plan, and then we implement the things that we're going to do. So I have to – I come from this big, crazy picture, this BHAG, and then then I have to kind of land it on Earth, you know, like so we land it on Earth, and when we're on Earth, We dissect it into practical steps to move forward. And some of them might be exploratory. Okay, take a breath, is there oxygen here? Oh yeah, there's oxygen. Oxygen, by the way, in entrepreneur speak, is money, right? So is there money here? Is there a way of making some money and then so on and so forth. So you do your little bit of testing and then you kind of move on with that. So a lot of us just want to jump off the cliff. We want to be base jumpers and just like run and jump and get, ah! <laughs> and we don't know what the hell is going to happen. But the truth of the matter is, as entrepreneurs, we have to be practical if we want to be successful. And it's okay to be a really good taskmaster. Some of the best taskmasters aren't nice about it, although I try not to be mean. We're hard. We hold people to, we hold people to be accountable. Um, and that's a big part of it. And when we are, we're not happy with something, we let people know. That's not okay. That's not okay. And, and that's a big part of being able to get that idea, those big things off the ground. So, you know, that's how we do it.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a very good answer. And a last question how, uh, to upcoming inter- uh, entrepreneurs. What would you advise on how to use money? what to spend on and what not to. How do you make those decisions?
1: Super sparingly with eyedroppers. You know, you spend the tiniest portion of money to certain things and, and, and don't believe you've ever made it. Always act as if you're in that beginner's mind where you're learning and you're frugal Every month I'm tasked with, and my team is tasked with, saving $250 on something. It could be one shot, it could be many shots. And we find things that are tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of savings because we're always on the lookout of saving money. So spend your money oh so sparingly. Do not commit, do not commit to long-lasting obligations that are gonna cause you financial distress in the future. That includes leases. You know, subscription services, that sort of thing. If it's if it's absolutely, positively important to have, then consider it. But understand that that's going to follow you, and try to send, sign things corporately as a business. Understand the business is not you; you are not the business. The business should have its own identification number. The business is something besides you, and if it fails, you shouldn't have to bring your entire life down as a result of it. So try to sign for nothing personally, because as you're going through this process, you're gonna see the failure is just bringing you one step closer to success. So failure is just a sign that you're getting there and you're getting closer, but be oh so careful all along the way, because you never know how you, when you're going to have a recession happen. The Great Recession happened. Some major clients going to leave you. You always have to be on the lookout, and that's how it works for me.
0: Great, uh, Steve. I don't want to waste too much of your time. I think it can go on and on. But uh, thanks so <laughs> much for your time. This has been uh, one of the one of my favorites personally. It was a blast chatting to you.
1: Great, and we went from electric cars. Yeah. To to entrepreneurship, which is really cool. So I like that a lot. Let me let me just give you one last thing about Tesla, why I love Tesla so sure, much. Sure. Tesla is a business model that works really well for me, and we always look to emulate that as best as possible because they keep on giving. So my car updates with Wi-Fi updates to my vehicle, which add features like wide angle camera lens on my car, auto high um, um, bright lights on my car, you know, high low lights. Um, like they're constantly adding things. The auto drive, I, autopilot wasn't in my car when I got it and then they added it. So with these updates are constantly giving you some value so it makes me not bored with the car. I was, you know, I couldn't hold a car for more than a year without getting bored with it, I actually had the last one for 22 months, which is like a world record for me. Um, and, and the only reason I got the new one was because it had a couple additional features. So if you can come up with a business, a business that's constantly providing more value to your customers, boy, go for it. I'm a big fan, obviously, of Tesla, electric cars, and entrepreneurship. So thanks so ha- so much for having me, Gray. I really appreciated the interview.
0: Great. One thing that I would like to point out, since you mentioned about Tesla, is I believe that since uh, the car is like running on software a lot, it'll be like cell phones where we can have the same model of cell phones, but they can be different at the same time depending on what you install or what kind of features you like to keep on your on your car, I guess. Maybe in the near
1: future. Yeah, they, get, they give you a bunch of flexibility in it. They don't allow you to go... Too crazy with any of the um, the customization, so that's why I have to go exterior on my car versus programming wise sure. but yeah they do give you they give you customization for sure absolutely
0: I guess you can you at one point you could choose your interior eyes to be green and your your rear eyes would be a little bit bluer, and the other guy would choose red and all the, all those kind of things at one point maybe.
1: They didn't do that yet, but between that and you're going to pick up my son without me being in the car, I think those are two great suggestions, and I think Tesla should be implementing them immediately. 100%. All right. Cheers, Steve. Have a nice evening. Take care, great. Thanks so much for the time. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: And that was it, guys. I hope you learned as much as I did, and I hope you utilize what you have learned from these. Um, So the Grave Podcast, if you're new to this, comes out every single week. So you can pretty much make it your weekly dosage and learn something new every week. Uh, If you haven't subscribed yet, you might just have to do it now so that you receive every single episode when it comes out. Uh, It really helps me to keep going with this and it also helps you to keep in touch so that you don't have to always look around to find the new episode coming up so what you can do you can find if you listen uh through itunes you can just subscribe via itunes or you can do it via soundcloud or you can just go on my website which i'll put in the description of this podcast and you just subscribe from there and the other thing that you can check out as well other previous episodes um these uh the whole idea bit be- behind these podcast is to learn and improve our own lives through that you can also follow me on social media um, username is great j j like with Jay 265 so it's great j265 on Instagram and Twitter and uh, we also have a Facebook page TGA podcast uh, you could just follow us there and give us a like there so enjoy your day or your evening thanks for listening and see you next time